So what's my future? You don't have one. I see you, but you can't see me. Welcome to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. This is week two of our ongoing coverage for Halloween Horror Nights 28. And this episode is a pretty special one because I got the opportunity to sit one-on-one with Patrick Braylord, show director for Universal Orlando Resort Creative Development at Universal Studios Orlando. I got to ask him a bunch of questions about the event, specific questions about the houses. We talked about Academy of Villains, and I got his reaction on the Scare Zones this year. So let's get right to it. Here is our special episode, my interview with Patrick Braylord. I am here at Universal Studios Orlando in the radio broadcast studio with one of the creative minds behind Halloween Horror Nights 28, Patrick Braylord. Patrick, welcome to the show, finally. Hey, thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. You're the last holdout. Yeah. Finally got you on. <laughs> it wasn't intentional. <laughs> no. I refuse. No, I know. I'm, I'm glad to be here, man. It's, it's, it's been a long time coming, because, yeah, you have had everybody else on. Yes, we have. Yes. But, hey, we circle's now complete, I guess you could say. Oh, no, no. That means the event, man. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, All right. There's a lot I want to talk about, but I would be remiss if I don't start off with something I've been almost chanting on social media is that in my, this is my 20th year coming to the event. Mm -hmm. In two decades, this might be the best experience I've ever had. It's definitely in the top three. Thank you, man. Thank you. Along with that, it's also the biggest. So I'm curious, when you expand the event, when you add something to it and you try to make it the best it could possibly be, you have the obvious potential of making additional things people love, but you run the risk of making things people might, might not like. How do you approach expanding the event and making it even better on top of that? Um, we, we always view the event as, as fans first. Whenever we're doing concept or we're talking over story ideas or we're talking over um, IPs that we're approaching, uh, it always comes from a point of we want to be able to tell really great stories, have interesting characters, and scare the bejesus out of people. And as long as we're beholden to those three ideals, then I think that we we are in a good place to begin with. Plus, as fans of the event, not just of horror as a genre, which we all are, but as fans of the event, we want to have each individual year kind of have its own hallmark unto itself. We want to have the event evolve and change and grow because we want to make sure that the guests understand that we're not satisfied with, with just being comfortable resting on our laurels. We want to make sure that we, we are pushing the boundaries. We are trying different things. Mm -hmm. We are, we are looking at new avenues of, of, of how to not only scare, but also how to increase uh, their satisfaction in their experience. Along with that, 
I'm a, is pulling in these big name properties mm-hmm. like Poltergeist and Stranger Things. Yeah. Stranger Things being absolutely huge. That's one that comes with a lot of expectations. A lot of people are coming into this. They want to see something. They expect to see something. Do you think about that or go back to the fan approach like you were talking about to make sure you deliver on what so many expectations are? I think that um, I think there's been a, a, a cultural shift in and and we we were always adherent to the to the intellectual properties previous to Stranger Things. It's not like that's a new concept for us, um, but I think there was definitely a cultural shift and, and and a mindset shift this year in particular when dealing with Stranger Things because we knew we wanted to we knew we had to get it right, and it wasn't a question of of feeling as if there was pressure to do it. It's it's out of a source of passion. We wanted to get it right because we are fans of the show and we knew that we didn't want it. We weren't going to be satisfied if uh, we couldn't tell that story or, or place you in each of those individual scenes without going 360 degrees without allowing for um, the Demogorgon to literally be hunting you from step one mm. through the maze all the way through the very end of the house. We wanted to approach it um, story-wise so that you had the feeling as if you are traveling parallel to those kids. Um, there are there are things that we wanted to do, but it was never out of a sense of, oh, geez, I hope we get this right. <laughs> it was more of a sense of, we're going to get this right because we want to see X. Right, okay. So that's actually leads into my next question so you've you've replicated stranger things so well going into poltergeist same thing you've replicated many things very well but this time you've added an element we've heard about it in the story we the 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 actual story kind of turns around going into the light Mm -hmm. you've decided to create that and you managed to do it without changing having to re-evaluate the story or look at it a different way what kind of task is that like adding to something that some everyone knows really well and not having to change anything that you're basing this after? Isn't that crazy? It is. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. Um, Charles and and Manuel, the designer of the house, did such an amazing job on that on that house because it gave MGM was was a great partner in being able to help us by being able to allow us to go into the light and expand on that that story, um, and yet at the same time, to your point the characters and the concepts and the uh, the visuals that you find in the first portion of the house where we are locked into the actual storytelling of the of the movie then get translated into the light you know that clown area inside poltergeist not to give anything away it's terrifying because you see him everywhere there's there's that sense of of otherworldliness that i that i i can really appreciate for that maze i love that house um, and Charles, they did such a good job. It is. It's great. It's very rare, and not to say anything against any of the work before, it's very rare that I continually visit and rate a, a licensed IP as my top house. It, sure. It has not been knocked down yet. I cannot stop going into that it's house. Such a, it's, it's so great. Everything from the first from the first moments of walking into that, that rainstorm and the pool and, and traveling underneath where all of the... All of the bodies are coming up through the earth. I was really wondering how that was going to be done, and I was not disappointed. I was like, I would have never thought of this, and I love it. It was great. (laughs) I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, exactly. It was really, really great. (laughs) So we've talked about – I've asked questions about the the licensed IPs, but the original content is – well, it's no slouch. It's never a slouch, and this year, absolutely no exception. Just to start with Seas of Extinction, I mean, if you were (laughs) to describe this on paper to me, there's no people. You're creating a world – on top of an existing world you already know 
and you're throwing in some scares that I've not seen before, at least not remember. They're maybe more prevalent. What that seems like a huge risk. What is the you mindset? Just, you you just, but you just pitched it. I did. Okay. <laughs> That's exactly how it was pitched. It was like, all right, look, we've got this town. It's Tucson, Arizona. The meteorite crashes, covers the entire earth. Humanity's extinct. And now it's all plant-based scares, uh, camo and, and, and of the like. And, that is, uh, it was a pet project for David and, and, and Charles to bring, and, and <laughs> I think they did a great job. I love that house. I do, too. I yeah. love the detail on it. I love the idea of, of not knowing where people are coming from or, or, or where the scares are going to be coming from. Um, I love how atmospheric it feels. I feel like, you know, you, you walk out going, oh, man, am I, inf- am I infested with this now? Like, am, am I taking <laughs> right. a little bit of the house with me? Um, it's, it's fantastic, yeah. It is. Um, now, I said Poltergeist is the one I never miss. There's another one I never miss. It's an OC. Dead Exposure, Patient Zero. Ah, uh, yeah. My two questions are, well, first, what what made you decide to revisit that story? But more so, what on earth did it take to design the way you're presenting that house? Because the way you go through that is pretty unique and pretty intense. Um, I don't know who had the I, I don't know where the seed for that came. Uh, this year, I, I, I do know that once we uh, started looking at it, it gave us the opportunity to be able to take it international, not just locking it within uh, Cary, Ohio, which was the first maze. Mm-hmm. It gives us the opportunity to tell it as a prequel. Um, it tells us it, it gives us the opportunity to go into somewhere else that is very familiar, i.e. Paris, so that you have the metro and you have the catacombs and you've got Père Lachaise and you've got city darkened alleyways that would be on the, on, in the city streets of, of, of Paris. And then you get to layer on top of that, that it is the eighties. It gives us the opportunity to be able to travel in and have a soundscape that is different than any other maze mm-hmm. that we've got this year, which is a lot of fun. That's the sound, the soundscape. I'm, so happy to hear you say that because I've said that to so many people. They're not maybe not necessarily sold entirely on dead exposure. They like it, but I start explaining the sounds. I go go through and just really tune your ears into it because the sound design in that has been my favorite in a very long time. It's cool. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Neil Anderson who does the sound. Uh, we we worked hard on that. It was good. Um, it, but the as far as the design of it is concerned, because it's been such a large turnover of of time from 08 to 2018 um we had to talk to our teams completely differently about it because some of them hadn't been around during that time period to be able to work through that process so really it was a rollout to the tech teams going just trust us just trust (laughs) us yes we're going to take everything and paint it black yes you're going to decor out an entire house (laughs) and we're going to slap black paint all over it but then we're going to go back and we're going to retouch it with uv and it's and how we uh, designed that house was no different than any other maze, but what makes it differently is how the lighting teams and the audio teams show control, as well as um, as well as how the characters interact with it, all had to reassess how they went about developing. Mm. Um, our characters are not necessarily beholden to the lighting that is in each individual room, but they definitely need to be aware of it so that they can be more effective. Um, the lighting, audio, and show control teams had to approach each individual scene in that house differently because they're all small encapsulated stories. Right, yes. Yeah. Yeah, the one that's my favorite and I don't want to give it away, but it's it's very short, but without the sound, it wouldn't be my favorite. It would just be a room I walk through. Absolutely. So, yeah, the sound yeah. is a huge part of that. So, it 
there's no way of not talking about the Halloween Horror Nights Easter Egg House Carnival Graveyard. <laughs> I almost imagine that the pitch of that is, hey, we need to not pay warehouse rent for three months. What can we do with everything? <laughs> oh, no. We're still paying rent. <laughs> there's nothing in it, but we're still paying rent on it. Well, here's the thing about that. There, there is, there's like everything. And there's so much. I don't. I can't pinpoint things in there because I haven't seen it all yet. There's so much to see. And that's the thing. It looks like everything. It looks like piles of things from Halloween, from the park, from things past. But it obviously isn't because you still have a line of sight where you look up and you look around. How do you make piles of things look not look like piles of things? That's a question for Nick Collins. <laughs> he was the great scenic designer on the house. Uh, yeah, we, he uh, one of the one of the, from from the word go when we started talking about this house. Uh, um, there was a conscious effort to make sure that guests had direct line of sight to various other scenes so that it felt very real world as they're traveling through it. It is the, yeah, that's a great way to put that because if I look up over the immediate eye line, say there's a fence in that particular room, I see mm-hmm. there's more to come. I don't see what's there. It's, it is very, it's, there's, there's moments I forget I'm, inside a very large building because right. of the way that is set up. It's right. And, and then when you get further on in the maze and you turn around and you look back, you see where you were, but you see it from a completely different vantage point. And it really is a, a, a huge study in, in how we as, as an event have grown from our inception to now, as far as being able to create fully immersive 360 degree environments that yeah. you have the opportunity to not only look down and be aware of what may jump out at you, but also being able to look up and take advantage of the scope and the size of the individual experiences. That word immersive, I think, I mean, I'm sure I've used it before for Halloween Horror Nights, but it's it's the word I can, it's my go-to word because it's the most descriptive word for most of these houses this mm-hmm. year. It's, it's, an, it's an amazing uh, evolution to everything, I think, at this point. Um, I did want to talk about scary tales at least that entrance, because I think because of that entrance alone, I missed the first third of that house going through because I was just so overwhelmed <laughs> how that how that house is introduced. Yeah, it's awesome. Yep. Um, it's, it's, it is it's a lot of fun. We knew that off of uh, Dead Waters last year mm-hmm. had uh, the riverboat when you turn oh, the corner. Oh, yes, yeah. And, and so it's not that that soundstage uh, is going to become the big facade soundstage, but this year uh, we were looking at footprint and we were looking at you know how scary tales was going to fit in and what kind of a statement we wanted to make at the very beginning and it, it seemed like a no-brainer to say oh well it's going to be the witch's castle mm. we're going to put the witch's castle up there and the wicked witch of the west is going to be flying between parapets and uh thankfully when when we started looking at all the different aspects of that house we were able to not only keep it but also the size and the grandeur of what she's able to do while she's up there is is something that's, that's really special the really yeah that's the part that blew me away yeah. i couldn't stop thinking about that my first 20 steps in there Slaughter Cinema, I'm honestly not sure what to say other than how much fun this house was. Yeah. So I really just, if you have anything you want to tell me about Slaughter Cinema, um, go ahead. Because there's like, it, like I said, it's just so much fun. I could sit and pick apart each movie and ask everything on that, but we'd run out of time very quickly. It, it, it's really funny, too, because over the dozens of different names that we wrote for all the different movie titles that we could possibly that's, see. Some of them made so cool. some of them made it into the Q video, um, like the house that, or the car that, or whatever it is that 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 we were thinking of. You know, the house that kills, the house that <laughs> names. Um, 
but also all of the ones that didn't make it into any representation as far as the house or the or the the Q video is concerned. There's a lot. Yeah, we came up with a lot, and and the process of dialing all that down to figure out not only. Um, not only what we think would be good representation of of that kind of schlocky B movie kind of aspect, and retain n- n- the scariness as well as tell the humor, but also how that would flow, and and what kind of setup that that would create. Because you may have two very good scenes or two very good ideas, but you can't have them back to back, or you you wouldn't want to have. Um, two very similar stories within the same house. Oh, I didn't even think of that. You're right. You're right. I was, I was more thinking how you do go through the house and go to scene by scene. Because again, when the press release comes out and the blog post goes, there's a description, but you don't know until you see it. I didn't quite, what I imagined wasn't the same. What, what happens is actually much better, but I never considered, yeah, if you do have two, Right, two so hairy creatures back film back to back. You might not realize you're going through two scenes. Yeah, so if you travel through the house, you look at it and there is a there is a uh, there's a sacrifice movie, and then you walk through, and then there's a werewolf movie, and then they go through, and there's a uh, single killer, almost psychological uh, barber chop moment, and then you've got, uh, and I'm going out of order, obviously, but then you've got uh, space cannibals, Amazon cannibals from planet hell and then you right and then you go through uh you go through uh cult of the beast baby and then you go through all these different stories but how you go about weaving those stories together was something that i i think that that team excelled on so that they could they could tell a varied story and make it still so much fun while still getting scares out of everybody right right well before I talk any more about houses or scare zones, we're a little more than halfway, so I wanted to make sure I talked to you specifically about this because I know I'm pretty sure you have some things to say about it. The Academy of Villains show this year. Yeah. And the fact that they are in one of the most revered venues of Halloween Horror Nights this year. Yeah, they're in the Fear Factor Live venue. It's yep. awesome. Um, that show, if you haven't come to Halloween Horror Nights 28 yet, you need to come just to see Academy of Villains Cyberpunk. That show is absolutely amazing um they've this is their third year and they have uh moved into the fear factor live venue and and for the previous two years they had a very large scale show even though it was on the street um and and obviously irma did a number to their the the show last year and there so there were several iterations of that show uh based on on the hurricane coming through but i think that what's amazing about that show is if you strip down all of the tech you strip down all of the spectacle and you just look at that crew as far as what they're able to do physically on right. stage and the passion that they bring, it's worth the price of admission. Then you get to layer everything else on top of it and it's like, wow, that is a fantastic show. Um, it's one of my favorite shows that we've ever produced, bar none on property. Wow. Uh, Jason That's Horn. Huge. Yeah, Jason Horn and and as, as well as, uh, you know, uh, Phoenix and Farside, uh, and and that entire crew of of performers, they have they have done an amazing job, um, really transforming not only what we should expect as far as shows are concerned on property, but also I mean just the set alone has transformed into things that people aren't necessarily going to expect by walking into that yeah. venue. That stage is there's a lot to look at. There's a lot to look yeah. at uh, the, from the video elements to the psych behind it to um, all of the different special effects pieces that we've got inside of it. Plus the thrust pieces coming up into the audience and allowing for really truly guest interaction 
Really true guest interaction. That yes. really super yep. close to everybody. Yes, is is amazing. Yeah, what I really enjoyed, and I, it's it's not unexpected, but it's nice to have to have it confirmed after three years. It's still a different show, mm-hmm. which you ex- you expect it to be different, but it's not so different that it's has what Academy Villains that the troupe it does best. Yeah, you come in, you come in, and it's you know for a fact it's going to be hard hitting. You know that they're going to grab the the audience by the throat and just start punching them in the face with <laughs> with with amazing yeah. dancing, and it, and and they they pay off. It's it's really really amazing. What that group does constantly surprises me and constantly keeps me on edge. It's, I know. It's amazing. I'm tired after every show. I'm just trying to imagine. <laughs> imagine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They are some of the hardest working people I have ever met in my entire life. Yeah. All right. So I did skip over some houses to make sure we talked about the OC, but we have some time here. So Halloween 4, yeah. Return of Michael Myers. I mean, it's on par with the past houses. And I'm imagining that it must be an important thing to keep that story. Whenever you have the reappearance of a, this property, that it has to be at least as good as this past. I'm, yeah, I, we want to make sure that we uh, look. It's Michael Myers, right? <laughs> like you can't shortchange Michael Myers. <laughs> He'll come after you. Like we wanted to make sure that we told that story because it it, it was important to us um, because all of us have a a love of that film series Mm -hmm. all of us have you know halloween is one of those seminal storylines not just the first movie or the second movie or the fourth movie all all of those films tell such an important are are such an important inspiration for what we even do today Mm -hmm. because it was it was so impactful to us absolutely growing up yes uh the horrors of blumhouse i happy death day tricky it's easy on a one-dimensional screen to tell that story and you're walking through it i was really surprised how well that was done and i'm curious if that was the intent the way you present that that part of that house from day one or did you have to go through a lot of ideas no we want we we wanted to show that you had to keep resetting okay um yeah and and i'm glad you picked up on that because we it it is the groundhog day of horror yeah that's exactly right It, it, it is and that's and that's absolutely wonderful um it's exciting. It's exciting because it gives us an opportunity to have one unified aggressor throughout that entire first portion of the maze, which makes it directly and distinctly different from the second half of the maze, almost as a hard edit where you slam to black and you're like, okay, now it's first purge. Yes. And it gives us the opportunity to almost do two smaller houses within one big house. It is. That's what I, that's what I kind of liked more about the uh, year before. I think maybe everything... And again, not a criticism, just everything seemed a little short. Take Splitting it in two seemed to be a much, like you said, two houses in one. Yeah, they're, di- then, they're completely different but balanced. Yes, exactly. And then you're absolutely right. Without, again, without giving spoilers, the transition point between the two, there's no mistaking. You no left mistaking. one yeah. and you went into the other. <laughs> you're like, oh, we've changed movies. Yeah. <laughs> so Trick or Treat's the last house we have to talk about. And this was fun to get ready for and experience because it's a movie where the, I guess, the more memorable scenes are primarily outside. You have to design it to be inside and make it feel like you're outside. <laughs> I'm curious yes. what the workflow to get to that point is like. You'd have to ask the designer. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Um, yeah, it, 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 it is always funny whenever we're, we're talking in the design and, and you're like, okay, so we're in a front yard. And the designers go, okay, all right. <laughs> How quickly do we go inside? Right. <laughs> Um, uh, no, Manuel Cordero did a fantastic job this year with Trick or Treat. I, you know, it's easy, I think, to dismiss the house as a, as a house full of facades. 
because you walk through Creek's house okay, and you walk sure. through Wilkins' house and you go through the basement and then you're then you're back outside and you're in Sheep's Meadow and then you walk through the the, the quarry and 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 I'm missing a few. But as as far as the the development of that house is concerned, you have to pay off what the film represents. Yes. And last year, Blake and his team did such an amazing job. Blake Braswell did such an amazing job on the streets, creating such a wonderful feel of that movie that I loved that scare zone. And so when we, ta- when we, when we came up and we green lighted trick or treat for this year in the houses, I was like, yeah, that gives us the opportunity to actually dive into the film. And it's more represent. It's not, it's less representational and it's more Actual. We're walking through Krieg's house. Yes. You're walking through the basement. You're you're seeing poor Charlie on the front stoop, not checking his candy. <laughs> like there's there's opportunity for us to um, really blow out and invest into that that dynamic, visceral uh, storytelling that the street hinted at. Now we get to dive into those famous moments from the movie that everybody loves. Right. Um, and and you get to see all of the characters, which yeah, is fantastic. Absolutely. That is that is very yeah, it's very it's uh there was the thought in the back of my mind: Are we just moving everything they did in the street into a house and just making it bigger? But no, it's it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, too. It's, it's its own character, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and 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 that speaks volumes, I think, to not only the design um, portion of the house and the decor and and all of the teams that have worked so hard for so long to create that atmosphere, but it also speaks to the originality of the street process and that. They are two completely separate entities. So if you came last year and you saw it on the streets and you loved it, hopefully you're going to have an attachment to the house and, mm-hmm. and understand that while different, it's still super impactful. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. All right. We have our last few minutes here. So I'll go through and get your reaction to the scare zones. How happy are you? Killer clowns is here. This yeah. Year. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. During executive review, it was hard to pull Mike Aiello out of it. <laughs> Um, and, and and rightfully so. That scare zone is so much fun. It is. I yeah. love it. And and it, it's one of those things that as a kid, when you're watching Killer Clowns from Outer Space, fat, you don't. You would never have an inkling that if you fast forward 30 years, all of a sudden you're like, oh, we get to play with those characters. Oh, right. We get yeah. To <laughs> have people experience it in real life, um, but not just Killer Clowns. I mean, you move from there, you go over to Hollywood. That I look out right now and I see Revenge of Chucky. Yeah. And it's so much fun that Chucky actually talks to you as a guest while you're walking through that zone. There's so much. I I didn't know what. Again, I'm saying this a lot. Didn't know what to expect. There's so much fun going on in that with those those demonic to- or the twisted toys, whatever you want to call them. They're never necessarily possessed. They're just horrific toys. The designs are incredible. Yeah, they're really, so much fun. It's really, it, it's it's really a good time. Costuming and makeup went above and beyond. <laughs> with that. It's it, like all the diff, all the different pieces. Uh, I've got I've got a couple of favorites that that are out there, and there, I I never I, I I can't go through this zone without stopping and watching them for a little while. Yep. And then and then uh, talk about people watching. I you have to go through Vamp eighty five. Yes, in New York. Definitely. Yep. Um, besides our roaming hordes that are out in in San Francisco as well as in in the Springfield area, um, Vamp eighty five in New York. It's just good people watching. Yep. The Harvest is a great introduction if you follow the normal flow into the park. That's yep. a great introduction to the event. A nice, almost like a decompression chamber going into it. It really is. And yeah. Then- 
and then wa- walking through Twisted Tradition. Uh, yeah, that's I, there's almost nothing you can do wrong in that section. That area is always one of my favorites just to look at. It's so beautiful, and at the same time, they're getting really great scares that are in yeah, there. Right. Uh, there, there are some fantastic characters that are taking over that entire area. It's it's a lot of fun. Well, we're in our last minute, so if there's anything we didn't touch on that you wanted to talk about, feel free to let me know now. Uh, I think that uh, Halloween Horror Nights 28. Uh, it, it, it holds a certain place for all of us, but it, it it is something special this year, and I think that people would be remiss if they didn't come and experience it. Like like all years at, at Halloween, this is it. Once this year goes away, you're not going to see this again. Yeah. And that's, a, that's a hallmark. We don't, re- we don't repeat. We, we are constantly pushing forward, and, and we hope that everybody does show up between now and November 3rd because if you miss it, you, uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I absolutely mean it. When I say it's one of the best I've ever experienced, if not the best, I mean, we're still just two weeks into it. I'm still saying it. I don't think that opinion is going to change. I know it's one of the best. And if I absolutely agree, if you miss it, it's really your loss. It's something anyone that's ever had an either experienced before in the past or even have an interest in seeing for the first time. You have to see 28. It's an amazing year. Thanks so much. So, well, thank you for your time. Thank you for your work this year. Of course. Thank and you. Glad I finally got to sit and talk to you on the record. Officially. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> now you have the entire collector set. Yes, I do. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks again. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back with some more Halloween Horror Nights 28 coverage next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is a news as internet entertainment production. For more great podcasts and original entertainment, visit our website at newsaz.com. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is not affiliated with nor endorsed by Universal Studios Florida. All Halloween Horror Nights properties, icons, titles, events, and related items are property, trademark, and copyright Universal Studios or their respective trademark and copyright holders. For more Halloween Horror Nights coverage, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast and follow our Twitter account at newsaz. To help support the series and all the work we do at Newsaz, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash newsaz. Thanks for listening.